Well, happy Mother's Day. Thanks for joining us today. And we want to celebrate all the, all the mothers, all the grandmothers, all the women who are here in the room today. Like that last song says, uh, you have shaped our lives. You've shaped who we are. And yet often it doesn't feel like it if you're in it, right? If you're, if you're in the, the seat of being a mom, it just feels like a lot of work. <laughs> it feels like sometimes a lot of thankless work. And often it takes uh, years, decades before somebody begins to notice all those investments that you put in over time. And yet can you think of maybe some, some things your mom did that stuck with you? And maybe it's your favorite phrase. Did your mom have a favorite phrase? Or when you think of your mom, that phrase comes to mind. Maybe every time you come to the house, she's like, oh, sit down. Tell me how your week has been. Or tell me what you've been up to. Or maybe your mom was more of a teacher. And it was, hey, don't forget that. Or, hey, did you brush your teeth? You know, how, how's, how, how's classes going? Or, or maybe it was your mom was more of a helper. And it was, how can I help? Anything else I can do? Maybe your mom or grandma were more of a cook. Do you need seconds with that? What was that phrase that your mom was known for that just speaks to her personality? We were down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, I don't know, 15 years ago at the family vacation. And while we're driving through downtown uh, Gatlinburg, my wife's sitting next to me and the kids are in the back seat. And my wife all of a sudden looks out the window, points across all of us and says, oh, wow, the discount store. And, and we turn because every time we go on family vacations, we, we try and visit the discount store because my wife loves it. It's become part of our, our heritage. So we all kind of head swivel over. And sure enough, there's a discount store. And the name of the discount store is, oh, wow, the discount store. <laughs> and so for years, it kind of speaks to my wife's uh, frugality, my wife's, um, you know, loyalty, my wife's ability to just be incredibly wise with money and just the fun we would have and kind of looking through this treasure hunt every time we go on vacation we try and find little thrift stores to go and look at stuff at. So your mom's favorite phrase or maybe what would people say your favorite phrase is. There's a particular mom in the Bible that's very very famous for her phrase and that phrase is let it be unto me. One sense motherhood is about that it's saying to God uh, let it be unto me. At some point, your mom didn't exactly know what motherhood was going to entail, didn't know all the changes it was going to involve, but said, all right, God, uh, let it be unto me. I'm going to change the trajectory of my heart, the trajectory of my, my life, the trajectory of my body, and, and let it be unto me as I enter into this journey of, of motherhood. If you remember, the angel appeared to Mary, and she's like, well, how can this be? I can't be pregnant. I'm a virgin. And the angel says, well, with God, all things are possible, right? Nothing's impossible with God. Mary takes a deep breath. Her whole life's going to change. She's going to be pregnant out of wedlock and that culture and everything else. And she says, well, your maidservant's ready. Let it be unto me, as the Lord has said. You think about all the changes that motherhood bring. I mean, do you remember when your wife, or maybe it was your sister, or even your daughter got pregnant? You had to see her body literally change. You know, but let it be unto me, right? It's like, wow, my body's going to change and move in ways I didn't even imagine were possible. You're going to start craving things like, you know, oranges or, or crab and, and ketchup and all kinds of strange things. And, and that phrase, let it be unto me, it's really saying, God, I don't know what the future holds, but I trust that you know best. 
There's physical changes that come with let it be. There's emotional changes. Who knew all the emotional swings that would come with hormones and, and, and just the seasons of motherhood. And maybe that, those seasons are long gone, but I remember someone once said that to be a mom is that your heart is now permanently connected to the happiness of your children. That means your heart's going to have the highest highs and your kids are doing well and your heart's going to be some of the lowest lows and you're like, oh, I just want my kids to be happy. I want them to know it matters. I want them to really flourish and know their best. So today I want to look at three aspects of motherhood, things that we can learn about moms and things that we can learn about God from two women in the Bible, a woman named Elizabeth and a woman named Mary. The first I want to call the leap of motherhood. The leap. You leap into this thing. And for Mary and Elizabeth, it kind of got leaped upon them. We have two different moms. One has been struggling with infertility for decades, hasn't been able to get pregnant. And God is going to give a miraculous, older-in-life birth to Elizabeth, to someone we know as John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. This other mom is probably a teenager, and she's just found out that before she's married, before the timeline she had planned, she's going to be pregnant with God's son. And it says, Mary arose and came to visit Elizabeth, maybe to hide out from all the gossip, maybe to hide out from all the challenges of being a, a pregnant mom out of wedlock. But she comes to the hill country to a house in Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And these two women are just able to encourage each other because God is working in both their lives. One, after years of barrenness pregnancy, miraculously, another one, a supernatural virgin pregnancy. And they're greeting one another. They're going to encourage one another. They're going to affirm one another as moms. I don't know if you remember, but I still remember the first time that my wife told me we were pregnant for the first time. I'm not sure what I expected her to say that day, but pregnant was not it. So she came up to me and she said, hey, Chad, Chad, Chad I, I got news. And I thought, Beth and I both love sci-fi movies. Maybe a new sci-fi is out. Maybe it was a movie I didn't hear about. She's like, so she comes up, she's like, I just took the pregnancy test. We're pregnant. And I was excited about being a dad. I, 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 I in one sense, couldn't wait to be a dad, but I was not expecting that this month or this year, maybe in about three years. And so I'm just shell-shocked. And I know nothing about pregnancy, right? And so I'm 20, whatever it was, 22, 23. I'm like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe we should take the test again. So she went and took the test again. She came back. It's whatever it is, plus or minus, pregnant. And I'm like, maybe you ought to go to the doctor and check. And so the way Beth tells it, I made her take three tests before I'm like, and the doctor, when she went to the doctor, is like, Oh, yes, we give the same test you get at home. If you're pregnant at home, you're still pregnant here. So after three tests, sure enough, we found out we were pregnant uh, with Sierra. That was our, our first. And just began an incredible journey uh, of highs and lows and challenges and the incredible joys of motherhood. But it was during that pregnancy, I remember going to getting that sonogram. Do you remember that? Where they put this kind of goo on your wife's belly. And they pull out the ultrasound, and then you get to hear the heartbeat for the first time. It's this really high-pitched, and you're like, wow, that is my daughter. That is my son. Maybe you've gone with your daughter, and you're that's my granddaughter. 
And then they print out the picture and it's no, the ultrasound's no, not this big, that's for sure, is it? No, it's this little bitty at the time, three foot, you know, three inches by three inch piece that maybe you framed or put in a baby book to remember the joy of the first time you got to hear the heartbeat. And you got to see that God was giving you the leap of motherhood. And I call it the leap because that's exactly what happens here in this passage next. As Mary and Elizabeth come together, it says that there's a leap. And the leap of motherhood is this incredible connection to God that occurred for them, but it occurs for us as well. Look what happens. It says that Mary greets Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth. And it happened that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the baby leaped in her womb. You remember that first kick? Quick, come here, feel this. Or, oh, it's my sciatica. Oh, not there, right? The baby leaps in the womb. This is John the Baptist who's going to be the trailblazer for Jesus, leaping, knowing that the one he's going to trailblaze for is in his close proximity. And Elizabeth is suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit, and the baby that's in her is filled with the Holy Spirit. See, motherhood is such a connection with God. People will talk about how I didn't understand parental love until I, I became a mom or dad. And now I held this child who's never done anything for me except make me change their diapers. Right? If anything, they've made my life more complicated. I'm not sleeping the first six weeks. But man, I'm madly in love with them. And that's how God feels about me. And that leap of motherhood helps you understand God's love, unconditional love, maybe the first time. Or, or you're in that moment where you're suddenly having a baby or watching your wife have a baby, and it's, it is the most miraculous, amazing experience ever. You cannot believe the world is still spinning because something miraculous has occurred. There's this connection with, with something supernatural, something spiritual, and with God. More than that, it's not just a connection with God. The leap of motherhood has a, has a second aspect I want to talk about. Next slide. It really shapes our purpose because... What's going on here is the fulfillment of something the angel had already told Mary and already told Elizabeth. Elizabeth's filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the angel had said to Zacharias, Elizabeth will bear you a son, after decades of barrenness, and you shall call his name John, and you, your whole family, not just the child, you will have joy and gladness. Many are going to rejoice at his birth. He's going to fulfill a prophecy, the last prophecy of the Old Testament, that said the hearts of the children will turn to the father's and the fathers to the children as he makes ready people for the Lord. That there's a purpose, that God says motherhood is a reminder that he has a purpose for you and for your kids and for your grandkids. And the leap of motherhood is often a reminder that God has those plans. I was talking to a grandmother recently who's going through a very dry time in her spiritual life. Just a lot of challenges, a lot of tests came back in ways that she didn't want and weren't prepared for. And she was kind of struggling with this spiritual dryness. She said, but then I got this amazing opportunity to see my daughter give birth to a daughter. And there was just some incredible multi-generational purpose. And, and it was like I was asked to be part of that. I thought about supporting my daughter the way my mom had supported me when I first had kids and needed babysitters. And I just got rejuvenated with a sense of purpose and plan. And that's the way God had a plan for for John the Baptist to prepare the way and a plan for Elizabeth to shape him and direct him and teach him. This grandmother, she found a new purpose for her next decade in the way she would invest in 
her children and her grandchildren in a fresh way. It's the leap, the leap of motherhood. The second aspect of motherhood is the gift. The motherhood really is a gift in that moms give us the gift of affirmation, the gift of encouragement. They call things out of us that we may not otherwise see. And so as Elizabeth sees Mary, she just really gives her the gift of affirmation. She uses the word blessed over and over and over and over in this passage. It begins, she says, blessed are you, Mary, among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, my baby leaped in the womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. Now the word blessed is a really strange word. We use it often and don't know what it means. It comes from a Greek word that means to eulogize. That's strange. There's a Greek word there at the bottom of the screen. Eulogio, to eulogize. So think what happens at a eulogy. Somebody stands up at the end of your life and they mention all the things you did right. Wouldn't that be nice? If more often than not, the people in our families, the people in our lives, that we would one another eulogize one another, affirm one another, tell all the stories of what we've done right. That's what it means to bless somebody. And I got to tell you, as your pastor, as a team, we get a chance to enter into people's grief and celebration. We've got this gigantic lectern, kind of this old-fashioned lectern we put here for funerals. And I have seen moms and sons and grandchildren step up to that lectern and with tears rolling down their cheeks speak about the hundreds, thousands of ways their mother and their grandmother shape them. Little seemingly insignificant things, a joke here, a pattern here, an encouragement there, a teaching there, and all the eulogizing that goes on. And it affirms all those little seemingly pointless things that felt so thankless in the time were shaping generations. God wants to eulogize or bless you, and he wants you and I to take the blessing received from him and to eulogize the people in our life, especially the moms in our life to give them the gift of encouragement. There's two ways in which Mary is able to be eulogized here by Elizabeth. And the first one is that we need other people to call out the gifts that are in us. She says, you're the mother of the Lord. Except for the angel and Joseph, this is the first time that's been affirmed by somebody else. You're part of something big. And then there's kind of an additional uh, miracle here that she's got a validation. I know you're the mother of the Lord because of something that happened in me. The leap of motherhood's confirming to me that God has a, a calling on your life, and I want to affirm that. Blessed are you for believing and trusting and following God into this journey. We need other people to call out the gifts in us. I think we also need other people, especially other women in our life, to affirm us for trusting God in the midst of, of difficult decisions, right? The gift of saying, man, way to go, way to, way to keep believing when this is going to mean a lot of social pressure and a lot of difficulty and a lot of like, whoo, what are you doing as a teenager being pregnant? But she says, blessed are you because you're part of fulfilling the things that were told from the Lord. You're part of a grand scale of things. Think how many times your mom comforted you or encouraged you or affirmed you 
told you to keep believing and keep the faith when things were tough. I remember when we were first married in our 20s, my wife and I had uh, another couple that we knew, Steve and Carol, and they were going through a very difficult medical time. And I remember they would come together and uh, Steve and I would play uh, uh, racquetball together and so I was just learning to play racquetball and he talked about the challenges of whatever these tests were that they just got in their 20s from his wife. They were really struggling and trying to trust God and me and my wife was kind of hanging out with Carol and they were talking about what does this mean and I don't know, I may not be able to have kids again. It has something to do with my ovaries. And then they'd eventually find out she had a tumor. And, and by the time they looked at the tumor, we kept praying for them. And Beth kept encouraging Carol and eventually removed the tumor. And, and I'll never forget how they described it. They said it was the size of a small volleyball sitting on her ovaries. And man, I just watched her pray, cry, wonder in the fears And I remember my wife encouraging her and affirming her during that difficult decision. In fact, even now, my my son's about to turn 13, my youngest, um, and as many of you know, he has autism. And so one of the ways Beth affirms people is she's got dozens of these little Facebook groups for autistic um, children with autism and and moms who have just found out they have a child who has autism. And just the fear factor, the unknown factor, the your life spinning out of control factor. And so every time I'll come home, she's like, yeah, I was talking to another mom and I was trying to let her know it's going to be okay. And here's the next step and here's what you need. And kind of that fresh calling of, of helping people keep the faith and keep hope when they're facing challenges. In fact, I remember we adopted Quinn uh, th- almost 13 years ago now. We, we'd had Quinn in our house for six months because we were there in the delivery room. And it was amazing to be part of a different kind of motherhood. You know, there's stepmoms and there's adopted moms. And I remember when, when they brought Quinn over and we'd find out later he was blind and find out later that he had autism. But the joy, even in the midst of the challenges of trusting God in the midst of it. And I'll never forget the day we went to, to do the adoption. I've told this story before, but it just reminds me so much about who God is. We come into the courtyard, uh, the court down at Hamilton County. I've never been in the court before, and it just feels very ominous, right? You're in, you're in the court of law. So you walk in, you know, they check you for weapons and all that, and you come in, and you're in this big court, and there's got everything you see on you know, Perry Mason or Matlock or whatever. You know, you got the official thing, and, and the judge comes out in this robe, and he looks very intimidating. You know, this is somebody who could send you to prison or whatever. You know, this is a judge. And he steps up, and my, my younger two, Jabe and Sierra, are there, and Quinn's there, and as a family, we're going to you know, knock the gavel down. But there's kind of this sense of intimidation toward the judge, And then we notice that we know the judge. He's one of my neighbors. He lives three doors down. We didn't recognize him at first because about the only time we ever saw him was on Halloween when we were trick-or-treating. And every Halloween, he always, always, always dressed up like a clown with a big red nose and big clown feet. And every time my kids came to the door, he'd get down, honk, honk, and he'd hand them candy. And the whole demeanor changed because the transcendent judge was also the neighborhood clown. And we had such an incredible moment. He said, these are my favorite things to do is to reunite families and reconnect families. And the gavel fell and Quinn Roginski became Quinn Jackson after his birth mother, Jackie's son, Jackson Hovind. And the vision of the God of the Bible is a God who is a transcendent judge who puts a sense of fear and awe into us. 
But when you get to know this God, he's also imminent. He's a neighborhood clown, so to speak, who loves to draw you near as a child. See, Jesus was not only God Almighty, but he was the God who came near and visited with us, and he came to adopt us. The gavel falls because of what Christ did on the cross. So we're invited into his family, not based on what we did for him, but based on what he did for us. It's a gift. It's a gift of motherhood. It's a gift of adoption that God has for us. It's a gift that God wants us to give others, to affirm others, and it's a gift our mothers gave to us by affirming us, by calling out gifts in us, by challenging us to keep trusting even when things were difficult. But there's a third aspect of motherhood, and that's the impact of motherhood, this generational impact, the way in which God has used our moms and is using you as a mom to impact those around you. But it's hard to see when you're in it. It's hard to see those little incremental ways you're making a difference. I don't know if you had this growing up, but we had right next to the door or the doorway in our kitchen growing up, we had a yardstick. Do you ever have a yardstick? Maybe you put it in the garage, wherever it was. But this is the place that everybody measured how tall they were. So I remember as a kid, you know, it, it was time. It was that time. Every six months, whatever, you know, I'd stand up next to the door and dad would pull out the marker. And I'm like, <clears throat> still three, six or whatever it was I was. And, or, you'd, or you'd hit puberty. You're like, holy cow, I grew six inches. That's amazing. And you just begin to look back and track all the little differences, all the little impacts. I remember my sister would be so frustrated every time she'd get up there like, I stink at growing. And of course, as older brothers, we said, yeah, you do. Ha ha, you know, because we're terrible people. And, and then eventually my sister hits puberty. Man, she's five foot 11, gets a full scholarship in volleyball, and she didn't stink at growing at all. But often we don't see the small incremental ways we're growing, but our, our moms see it in us. In the same way we can see it in our kids, or especially if you've got grandkids who live a distance, you haven't seen them in a year, you can really see the differences, right? And you can affirm that and call that out to the parents who can't see it because they're kind of just walking through it day by day. God wants to affirm and magnify those little aspects that you can't even see that he's using to impact your kids in the world. That's why the third aspect is that of a magnifying glass. Because God wants to magnify the seemingly small things you're doing, the thankless things you're doing, the things that don't seem to make a difference and nobody seems to notice. And God says, I'm using those little things to accomplish great things. Mary sings this song. The song goes like this. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold... Through all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. Now look at that. She acknowledges, I'm in a lowly state. I'm a little 13-year-old girl, a little Jewish girl from a nowhere place. I'm just a maidservant. I'm just being a mom, just doing mom things, just kind of doing through the regular stuff. And yet by magnifying God, God's able to come back and magnify her. Yeah, but I'm going to use you to impact generations. You think you're just going to be a mom? No, no, no. God is going to do great things through you. And not only does God magnify the small things that she's doing, but God magnifies himself. And part of when you let God magnify you and see that God's going to use the little things in your life to accomplish great things, suddenly God gets bigger. Not that he was bigger, but your perspective on God is bigger. You begin to see how great he is, how grand he is, how amazing he is. 
God wants to magnify himself this Mother's Day to you. And he's used moms in our life to magnify how important faith is, how important God is in our life. See, my soul magnifies the Lord. God gets bigger, not because he is bigger, but because we're starting to see him more accurately. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. It's amazing how becoming a parent, your priorities can shift. Do you remember all those movies, those rom-coms that Julia Roberts did? It's like every, I saw this pretty woman on, she was in all these rom-coms. And she was asked recently, like, we haven't seen you in a lot of rom-coms. And it's like, well, yeah, I still have a career and I still do movies, but I have to really weigh those priorities of the movie against my other priorities. Those are her twins that were born 18 years ago. She said, the last 18 years, my highest calling right now is to be a mom. And when I get a script, that means I'm going to be away from my family for two or three months. I got to weigh that against, you know, my husband and, and his schedule and my schedule. And I got to weigh that against, I want to be there to support my kids and be there at, at soccer games and, and, and drive them around. I want to be able to cheer for them. And just amazing to see someone with a resume like Julia Roberts talk about how she has to weigh these big business opportunities against the calling to be a mom and to invest in these lives that have been entrusted to her. It's like she's beginning to say out loud that these little things, driving a car, that's more important than being at your, uh, cheering your kids on after a soccer game, that's as important as a big movie? And she would say, yeah. Our moms made a lot of sacrifices and you don't see them until decades later. So what does it look like for you and I to thank our moms? Thank your moms for the way that they said, let it be unto me to God many, many years ago. Maybe it's one of these three acts you want to thank God, thank your parents for the way that they said, let it be unto me. Maybe it's thanking them for how they partnered with God to shape your purpose. Maybe it's the gift of life you have, or they help shape who you are and who you become. And this is the day you want to thank God for what he did through your mom, and you want to thank your mom for shaping your life. Maybe your mom was a great at affirming and, and encouraging, and you want to Bless and eulogize her the same way she eulogized you by saying thank you for your encouragement over the years. Maybe you want to thank your mom for the way she magnified God in your life. Or maybe you want to take a moment and say, Mom, I want to let you know that little thing you used to do mattered. I'm not going to wait to your funeral to say it. That's a long way away. I want you to know that what you did, how you encouraged me, how you affirmed me, those little things really made a big difference. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. For the moms in our life, the grandmothers in our life, the women in our life, we thank you for the words of wisdom you have used from them to shape us. We thank you for your incredible, beautiful, motherly love. We think of the words of Jesus, who saw Jerusalem about to go through difficult time, and he said, like a mother hen, I long to gather you under my wing like little chicks to protect you from the storm. Thank you, Father, that Jesus displayed and called upon that motherly love and the expression of you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. Thanks for joining us. Those out in the tent, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate all of you for being here. We'll see you all next week.